Welcome to the first edition of the Scratching Pod. My name is Drew Edwards of the Hamilton Spectator. I'm also the editor of Three Down Nation. And those of you who have followed my coverage of the Ticats over the last eight seasons know that I've had a blog called the Scratching Post for all of that time, actually. And uh, But we've never really had a podcasting component, or at least not on a regular basis. Uh, the Specs making it a big push towards podcasts lately and asked me to participate in that. And considering that I talk Ticats pretty much every single day of my life, I figured it would be pretty easy to throw together uh, some of those conversations on a weekly basis to uh, into a podcast and make it into a Ticat show. So um, the other thing I'd like to do is to take uh, more questions from readers and fans. So if you'd like to reach out to me on Twitter at Scratching Post or the email at dedwards at thespec.com, I'll try and incorporate some of those questions into uh, next editions of the podcast. Hoping to do this on a weekly basis. Um, I think that's ideal, uh, but we'll, we'll see how it goes. But uh, send me your questions and we'll, we'll try and get them answered. On this uh, first episode, I thought it would be a good idea to chat with uh, Steve Milton, longtime columnist with The Spectator, and a guy that uh, I've worked very closely with during my time on The Beat, a guy who sees things uh, with a little bit different perspective than than I have, covered the Ticats and the CFL for a long time, is a member of the Canadian Football Hall of Fame media wing. Um, his perspective is always interesting to me, how he sees things, uh, it just adds a, adds a unique flavor and uh, I thought it'd be great to get his take on not just what's going on with the Ticats right now. And we talked a little bit about uh, Jeff Reinbold coming on as special teams coordinator, but also what's going on in Toronto with the changes there. I think uh, the Argonaut franchise and Tiger Cat franchise are linked closely. And uh, looking at what's going on in Toronto, I think there's some interesting um, historical perspective that Steve sort of gets into a little bit in our conversation. So uh, we'll talk to Steve a little bit about what's happening in the league. And I also chatted with Byron Archambault, the Hamilton Tiger Cats linebacker who has retired after just two seasons in the CFL. Uh, Archambault is joining the staff of the Montreal Carabin as special teams coordinator and linebackers coach. And uh, certainly injuries were an issue for him. Uh, he missed significant time with a knee injury and then another injury last year. But his perspective on why he's retiring and the things he's hoping to accomplish in this next phase of his career, is, it's quite interesting. I mean, injuries were a factor, but there's there's a little more to it than that. So chatting with Archambault was, uh, yeah, it was quite an enjoyable conversation. So we'll get into that as well. So, uh, yeah, uh, up next, uh, right after a little jump here, is uh, Steve Bum. Thanks for joining us. Mr. Milton, how are you? Hello, Mr. Edwards. Miss you in the off season. <laughs> we said we pass each other like ships in the night in the office. From time oh, to time. really? Yeah, and very rarely too. It's like being, being in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. So, <laughs> so long night. The CFL off season, isn't it? A you know, long night. Well, it's getting. It's getting. I will say this: it's getting busier, right? It seems like there's more. Yeah, that's nice. You know, there's more news on an ongoing basis around the league than than, than there ever used to be. So, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I guess some of the news isn't great. I mean, it's not great if you're an Argos fan, is it? Well, let's start there. I mean, okay, you know, you, 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 you've uh, this is supposed to be a Ticat podcast, but I think that 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 folks in Hamilton have that relationship with the Argos, that love hate, yeah. mostly hate relationship with Toronto, and I think they recognize that the franchises are they're linked, right? They're linked in yeah, all kinds linked. of ways. I've always. I've always said that Toronto sneezes and sneezes and uh, and Hamilton says Gazuntite. Right. 
you know, that's essentially the, the, the factors there, I think. Yeah. And, and I, I don't, it, it, from the outside and, and of course in that market, the only news that seems to make it there uh, about the CFL, particularly the Argos is bad news. And they gave them all that the news outlets could handle uh, with, with uh, firing Jim Barker and then Scott Milanovic losing. And I think you've said to me before, uh, they felt really sideswiped by Milanovic. Fair enough. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that they had hoped to retain Milanovic um, while they went on their search for GM. And then I think Scott saw the opportunity in Jacksonville. He's had similar type of opportunities in the past. And you can't blame him for deciding that he didn't want to wait around and find out who the next uh, general manager was going to be because there was no guarantee that that general manager was going to want to keep him. So right. that now the, now they are goes in a situation where they have to find both a coach and a general manager at a time when you know much of the musical chairs that's gone on has has already the game's already finished yeah that's right and 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 it's funny it reminds me a little bit but way way more messy uh than some of the stuff that was going on in hamilton and that 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 for for years and maybe that scott mitchell doesn't get enough credit for writing which is like what are they doing with a coach Keeping a, I mean, they almost had to let him go when Barker went too, because it's it's just as you say, like you, you can't really have your coach in place if you don't have the GM. And I was glad to see that they basically announced yesterday that they would uh, do their or on Sunday that they would get their GM first. And and my answer to that, of course, is well, duh. This is what Scott Mitchell found out when he came into here. Everything was upside down in the line diagram. Nobody was working for the guy who'd hired him. Yeah. Right? Or in other words, the guy who was working for you, you didn't hire. And the potential for, for problems there is massive. Well, and I, I, yeah, I still think that the Argos have a problem, though, in the sense that, you know, Jim Barker no made decisions that will affect this team going forward, right? He made the decision to for restructure sure. Drew Willie's contract. We see now right. that they've, they've made some signings. Chris Van Zyl may have resigned. Uh, that's a move that's being made by Spencer Zimmerman, who's sort of – you know, assistant GM and sort of handling day-to-day personal personnel affairs. And they've added uh, former offensive coordinator from Hamilton, Tommy Condell to assist in that, that, and nobody seems to know what's going to happen to those guys once the new GM is hired. So it is still, they are still making decisions um, that are going to, that, that the new GM and the new coach are going to inherit. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, I think here they've got to almost do like the Leafs, don't you? They, they, but the thing is, the thing with the Leafs, you always know you're going to have the fans. And so ownership doesn't worry there. Now, it's a similar ownership to the Leafs. I mean, there's a one major part, part uh, missing, uh, which is Rogers. But, but the, you just wonder if they'll have the same kind of patience. I think they will because it's not this, like they've got to know that they've got another season where they have to start at the bottom here because they didn't do the right thing this year, right. in my mind. And A, I don't think they ever should have had the had the great cup if you want to know the truth they they there were too many things on the go all that could be was a failure really the game rescued uh the whole thing from from bad management which started by deciding to have the great cup the first year you're in a new stadium with a new ownership and trying to build a new fan base well yeah but i also think that comparing it to the leafs i mean i understand that that analogy and looking at what brandon shanahan did and all the rest of it and and you can see that that's an organization that's made some good decisions and put the right people in place and is now on the upswing the difference you mentioned this the argos aren't the leafs there there is not a built-in argo nation that will support this team regardless of what happens right the argos need fans well the owners that's my point right 
But I mean, I think the feeling around the league is that people are kind of tired of waiting for the Argos to get their, yeah, you know what together, right? It's yeah. been a while. It has been, yeah. I mean, really, the last great, well, the last time the Great Cup was there, right? And then, and then before that, it had just been sporadic little islands of one or sometimes two seasons. But really, they haven't put together anything kind of sustained where you could count on on-field product for a long time. I mean, the whole Ricky Ray thing after winning the Great Cup kind of just just frazzled and created other problems. Now they've lost two quarterbacks that could have been the starting point of their franchise had they had the guts after the to to do something else after the uh, the Great Cup. And that takes guts, and it also takes. Uh, you know, money and, and commitment from the owners. And you just kind of wonder about the owners, whether they've got that kind of commitment. You know, do you make half measures here? Do you climb halfway, start halfway up the pole? Because you just got to start again at the bottom of the pole with this team. In my mind, it's got to start a quarterback. All right. Uh, besides coach and GM. Okay. Let's, let's actually talk about the team we are paid to cover. Yeah. Uh, all right. <laughs> Are you getting uh, paid for this? <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's all relative. Uh, all right. Yeah. So, Jeff Reinbold gets named uh, defensive coordinator. This is something that that you called uh, as soon as he signed a contract extension last season. You sort of said, yeah. that I can see the, the, the tea leaves say, I bet you that if Orlando leaves, that Jeff will be the guy. And that's exactly what happened. Um, and I just wondered if, if what your take on that was. Well, I think it was a natural thing. Um, one of the things that, that Kent Austin has done here, and, and you've had the best seat in the house for this, is is try to establish some kind of continuity in a league where continuity is not a strong point and uh and and it was done through coordinators for a number of years and i think you know having lost an offensive coordinator last year and really not developing in my mind a new one we we, we don't know that steph tasik is has is ready to step up into all of the things uh that uh, a professional um a pro league offensive coordinator is to do um there's varying opinions on that within the team so you've lost that you'll have lost uh you've lost orlando right there uh there have been some player turnover as there'll be some player there's been some player turnover particularly on defenses we saw last year that seemed like a little bit too much under the kent austin standard so if only for continuity and i talked to a couple players one just late late last night adrian tracy at, at the uh at the uh, Benet Brith dinner, and he, he says oh, the guys are really, really like the idea of the continuity of, of style, and hopefully they'll play a very similar type offense. Uh, and as Kent said in your story, um, or I said to you, that, that uh, they'd like to simplify a few things, but basically keep that kind of surprise attack defense going. And I think that's good. And I think that's, I think Reinbold hit it right on the head when, when he talked to you and said that this is the trademark of this town. I mean, yeah. all the great teams here are remembered most for their defense. Yeah, and I, I think that 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 look, Orlando Steinauer was eminently respected within yeah. that room around the league, and I don't think you necessarily replace a guy like that with another guy like that. But no. uh, anybody following in uh, Orlando's footsteps was going to have a challenge, just given how well respected he was. That said, I think players recognize that. Uh, that that Jeff is a different person than Orlando yeah. was, but I think they respect him 
in a similar way, right? I think they know Jeff, they like him, they recognize that he's not Orlando, but what he brings to the table is different. But I think they they appreciate what Jeff brings to the table, right? So instead yeah. of the person that follows Orlando having to sort of earn the respect of players and constantly being compared to to what Orlando did, well, Jeff, they already know what Jeff is, right? They already right. have an understanding of what he is. So that, the comparisons will be there in some respects, but they'll accept Jeff and respect Jeff for, for what he brings to the table. And I think, you know, given how difficult it was going to be to replace, Oh, uh, that situation makes a little bit of sense as well. Yeah. And, 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 uh, there's, there's a couple of other practicalities in here through as well. If he didn't get the job. Yeah. Did, yeah. Are, are you now looking at another coordinator out there? Because don't forget there's three jobs open in Toronto. Yeah. Yeah. Right? And, and the, the policy in this league is to be, if you, if you go higher, Right, so if he he could have maybe got the defensive coordinator in Toronto, that's yeah. one consideration. Well, I... and, and and another consideration is this. Here's something he brings to the table you don't often hear, but you and I notice it every single day of practice. His innovation in practice, not about. I mean, he's he's innovative, of course, schematically, and Orlando was unbelievably innovative. But his drills and how he keeps things interested. The guys never get totally bored. He doesn't run the same, and he always has two or three new things each year that you haven't really seen before, at least in this team and maybe around the league. Those things are kind of, uh, they provide a bit of a jump in your blood when you go to practice. Yeah, I, I think that's absolutely right, Steve. I, th I think that Jeff is known uh, as somebody who who brings enthusiasm to his job and yeah. that enthusiasm infectious with players. I was talking with with Byron Archambault, uh, right. and he talked about that that very thing that Jeff's approach, even in meeting rooms, did it. He does it in a way that engages players. Uh, and keeps them engaged, right? That, that so that's and look at the pro level, that's a skill, right? Keeping it's a, very, it's, a it's a great skill, and and not everybody has it. We've seen a couple of defensive coordinators here over the years, yes, <laughs> who didn't have that. I mean, one in particular who thought the enthusiasm was just yelling. You know, you know, and, Yes. Yeah, we're we're speaking of course about Casey Crehan. We might as well put Casey a name Hand. to it. Yeah, okay, you know, and, sorry, yeah. And, and that's and and look, you're you're absolutely right that that coaching professional players uh, is a different kettle of fish than coaching at any other level. Jeff's been coaching professional players for a large chunk of his career. He's also coached in the NCA for quite a bit, but he knows how to coach professional players, and and I think that's. That's an important uh, it's an important skill. It'll be very interesting to see what the rest of the Ticat staff looks like. They obviously have to find another yeah. special teams coordinator now that Jeff's moved over to the new position, and I think there's going to be some changes as well amongst the staff. I think you'll see some of them back, but not everyone. So um, mm -hmm. it'll be it'll be interesting to see what that that staff looks like. That's sort of the next domino to fall, and then we'll we'll head into free agency. Yeah, and and that's gonna that's gonna be quite interesting. Now. I mean, free agency now, of course, is become much more interesting in the last, what, last three or four years with the numbers. Yeah, the, absolutely. The numbers of people because of the because of the reduction of the contracts. That's been a very big. I think you don't. I think people out that are outside the real core of the game and and core of the game. I also mean fans who are totally into it. I don't think they realize the impact it has on us. 
yep. on the league and how, how big February is going to be and how busy guys like Drew Edwards are going to be in a couple of weeks. Well, yeah, I mean, there'll be more than, again, for the second straight year, there'll be more than 200 players available. Um, and and that makes for a, a lot of movement and transition. We're seeing some guys get re-signed uh, yeah. now, and the Tuckets have done some of that as well. No, none, of the, none of the super big names, but I think some key pieces, guys like – you know, I thought Mike Daly was a pretty uh, a yeah. good, good piece to add. There's been a couple other Canadian depth Canadian guys, and yeah. just just little um, the the kind of the kind of moves that are a little bit under the radar, but that have value in terms of building that that Canadian depth. And that's one of the things that is increasingly difficult to do uh, in the league this year. I think that the, the Tigers are in a bit of a different situation. We'll talk about more about free agency as as the next couple of weeks come up. But the Tigers are in a bit mm-hmm. of a different situation this year in that. They don't have, you know, big name Canadian guys set to hit the market. Guys like Courtney Stephen and Ted Laurent, where uh, last year those were major priorities for the Ticats, just given the fact that they were going to have to make significant changes to the ratio if they can get those guys under contract. Ticats yeah. are in that boat this year, right? They've got a lot of their key pieces under contract. Well, that's why things, even though CFL looks like kind of a year by league or year by year temporal league, when you as soon as you mention those things about Ted and uh, Courtney Stephen, then you you recognize how even a league that is constantly in motion with so many moving parts because of various factors, you have to make those kind of core moves and you got to get them right. And I think they got those two right. And look at what it changes this year for them. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that's been their their focus, right? They've got they they've made an effort to get that core group. We're talking right. about Caleros. We're talking about Tasker. Um, uh, we're talking about Simone, who signed a contract extension, which was a, yeah. another significant move. Uh, we're talking about Laurent and Stephen. Uh, Craig Butler would be in that group. Um, you know, Brandon Banks has, has been here for a couple of years now. Ryan Bauman was a big signing. Mike Filer was a big signing. Like so, that core group of players that they're building. Are around uh they've worked hard to try and get those guys locked up at least for you know some period of time and then they'll try and put the pieces in around them but that core more or less um you know has is is in place i think yeah i think so and and and, uh and i think that's good for the fans too i mean one thing that we can't forget here's a bit of unrest out there yeah right uh and maybe you know and i think some of the tie cat people say well we don't feel it well maybe you're you're not hearing it but it's, you and i certainly do and you certainly hear it in the bars in the off season you certainly hear it right at the end of last season that's just an insult to have a team from the west come in and win um win here so so that uh that that sat poorly with a lot of people not that they're going to walk away from the team but to have that kind of core and to have a to have a guy like simone back like there aren't that many people who sell tickets. I mean, they sell as a group of players when they go out in the community, but not many as individuals. The quarterback always will if he's if he's personal like Zach is, and also very good. Uh, but a guy like Simone, he's a ticket seller. He's a he's a ticket seller in 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 like every day he's here. Yeah. You know he he really uh, he's different that way. I mean most people are good in the community the, the cfl is terrific that way but simone's a bit of a different breed he just says he's, he's infectious well i also think that simone resigning was uh, to a certain extent 
an indication to the fans that everything was going to be okay on some level, right? That, 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 that's, the, the departure, that's exactly right. Yeah, the departure of, of Orlando, uh, the, the way Tommy left last year, uh, how, you know, a 7-Eleven season, how things ended, uh, some of the injuries that they suffered. I mean, I think you're, you're, you're calling it unrest is probably good. It's not, you don't want to be too dire about it, but no, it's certainly, not dire. No. but there, there are, there were some, there's some level of concern and, and the re-signing of Lawrence is a statement that a guy who's at the top of his game, who's been an elite level player for since he basically, since he got here, he wants to be here, right? He's re-signed. He's all in, he's on board with the program. I think that has to, for, from the fans perspective, well, Simone's good, then, then maybe we're okay. Yeah. And I, and I, and, and that's it. He's, what does he hear? A human barometer, isn't he? Yeah, that's that's kind of that's a human barometer of of of, of the, the franchise because he's also an intelligent guy. He's not just blindly loyal. He's an intelligent guy. Yep, and everybody knows that. Good stuff, Steve. Nice to talk with you. Uh, we'll we'll try and make it a regular occasion. All right, okay. sounds good, buddy. Next next week, the week after, tomorrow, whatever. Talk to uh, you. Okay. Hamilton Tigercats drafted linebacker Byron Archambault with the 17th pick in the 2015 draft. The expectation was that the former Montreal Carabin would have a long CFL career. He had good size, speed, and toughness. He seemed ready-made for special teams in the Canadian game. But injuries, including a torn ACL suffered midway through his rookie season, limited him to just 10 games in his first two seasons. And this week, Archambault decided to retire in order to become the special teams coordinator and linebackers coach with his alma mater. But injuries aren't forcing him to retire. At least, that's not the whole story. I spoke to Archambault from Montreal this week. I understand that congratulations are in order. You've you've made a career change. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, yes. Um, can you can you explain to me how that came about, how you joined the Caravans? Uh, well, it happened uh, in the last uh, few weeks. I... Uh, I had um, I've been thinking about it for uh, for quite some time, and I was just um, exploring, you know, what I should do with uh, with all of that. And I think that this is really the best decision for me. I feel like um, I'm ready to start uh, coaching, and uh, I will continue my studies and and do an MBA here at the Business School of the University of Montreal. Uh, did injuries play a, were, were they a factor in your decision? You know, when, when you get injured and you're not a player that's used to get injured, that's used to getting injured, uh, it's, it, you know, for sure it, it causes certain reflections as far as, as, um, where you're going with your career and, uh, and, uh, what exactly you should do for the future. But in the end, it's, it's something that, uh, regardless of injuries, I think that, um, it's it's a beneficial decision for myself and uh the injuries well they play the role they have to play in in every athlete's uh, career and then uh, they usually catch up to to most of us eventually and uh but uh, i'm really happy with this decision and uh, i'm excited to move forward I, i'm just curious about the timing because i mean you you know when you when you were drafted there was 
Uh, you were a highly touted draft pick and a guy that you know got a, got an NFL look, and I think the expectation was that you know that you you had a long career ahead of you, right? That that you'd sort of had a um, some setbacks the last couple of seasons with injuries, but that you know the expectation was you'd be back. I think some people are surprised by this. I mean, is there? It, can you talk sort of? Was there were there other factors in the decision in, in terms of why you decided to give up playing? Well, I'm not giving up. You know, it's not the right way to say it to put it. Okay. I feel like it's progressing in football. I feel like it's it's going to a new chapter in football. But I would never refer to it as quitting because yeah. I'm staying in football. I'm staying in football, and what I'm choosing to do with my life is to impart the wisdom that I was able to go and get during those two years with the Hamilton Tiger Cat to some younger players and prepare them where I failed in my preparation. So I feel like that's that's really where this is going more than quitting suddenly after two years or trying, you know, to talk about the injuries. I don't feel like that's it's the coaching aspect has always been something that interested me and I realized uh, during some of the meetings and that I was listening as a future coach more than an actual player. I was taking notes, you know, on 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 everything. I was <laughs> observing the the way Jeff Reinbold was talking to everyone, the Orlando Steinhauer. You know, these two guys I was I was really, really, really studying them a lot. And they probably don't know but They've impacted my life a lot, and I'm forever grateful uh, to them. So, I, and listen, I, I didn't mean to. I, I should. I shouldn't have used the word quit, and that's not what I'm trying to to impart. I'm just trying to understand the decision, right? I mean, and, and listen, yeah. if, if you've made the decision because you believe that you will enjoy playing football, mm-hmm. or sorry, coaching football more. And this is what you want to do, then then it's absolutely. I mean, that's it makes perfect sense, right? If this is what you want to yeah. do, is this what you're passionate about? That's what you should be doing. That's what we should all be doing, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's where it is for me, and that's uh, that's how I'm putting it, and that's how that's how I want to start going about my way of enjoying football because I feel like there's different ways to there's there's fans, there's people that watch, there's people that don't know much or that watch only the Super Bowl and watch only the Great Cup and but there's uh, just like there's playing there's there's the coaching aspect too and it's a different ball game but in the end it's it's what I really want to do where have you coached before yeah 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 I've done some camps and I've been around with with some high school teams and some day camps in the summer and with the Carabin uh, their past two spring camps and you know so i've been keeping in touch with that for sure okay uh and and what did you get your degree in because you you graduated from the university of montreal right yeah yeah i graduated in the police studies right so as to become an investigator and i will be doing my mba at the business school now is there is there uh, do you have other career aspirations beyond coaching like is there other things you want to do well i mean you know life always brings you know a few curve balls at you and i just want to make sure i'm prepared to handle them and to take some responsible decisions for myself and for my family but for now i'm definitely just committed on coaching and keep i will keep studying because that's that's who i am i like to to gain knowledge on on everything, and so I'll I'll keep doing that. But for now, 
I'm a coach, and that's what I want to be, and I want to be the best coach that I can be. And uh, for how many years, uh, we'll see, because it, we, we, there's no certainty in in coaching uh, with football at that level. So we'll we'll see where that brings me. But I'm pretty confident for the next few years that that I will be able to impart some some of the wisdom that uh, some great coaches imparted on me. You you maintained a relationship with with Danny Machocho after you left. Obviously, you have a good relationship with him. Oh yeah, of course, of course. He's uh he's really really a great man. He's been a great mentor for me in my in my football career, and and he's helped me through some uh, rougher times and make some tough decisions. And uh, he's definitely the kind of coach you want to get associated with, whether you're a player or you're a coach. And so uh, that's what I'm doing. It was it was really a no brainer. What what does it, what 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 things did he help you get through? Pardon? He said. Well, you said he he helped you through some tough times. What were those tough times? Oh well, I mean, there's some personal things in there that I wouldn't want uh, everybody to know about. But he's been really close to me, and he's been really good. And um, you know, when you're there's there's a whole bunch of things that can happen in a student athlete's career as he's progressing you know, through university. And um, let's just say when Danny says that, that uh, when you join the Caribbean, you join the family, well, he's a man of his word and that's what it is. So he, he helps you. And if, if he can't help you, he, he makes sure that uh, whether it's with academics or whether it's with that people are, are there to help you and that you have the resources that you need to do what you want to do. And that's just the type of person he is. So that's definitely who I want to be associated with. What uh, you said, you learned a lot from from Orlando Steiner and from Jeff Reinbold. What 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 did you take away from yeah. each one of those guys? What did you learn from them? Oh man, first first and foremost, it's just that energy and passion that they brought to the table, and that they were able to transpose to players. I mean, if if you if you sit in the meeting with Jeff Reinbold or Orlando, yes, and I will. You, you'll just know what I mean. You have to be there to kind of know. And I know it's, it's, uh, it doesn't give you much information, but let's just say they have their own way of going about things in meetings. And it's a very, it's a very good way to make sure that everyone's attentive and everyone um, uh, just assesses their information the right way. And they have this type of, uh, of ease with, uh, with players and, and I think that that's really where they get people to commit to them and that want to play for them, which is definitely rare in the pro level, especially. What uh, I saw the the announcement from one of the reporters in, in Montreal. So you're going to be handling special teams and linebackers. Is that right? Yeah. So, so are you, are you going to be the special teams coordinator? Is that, is that going to be the position? Yeah. Or, oh, wow. Yeah. That's, that's a that is a significant opportunity then. <laughs> like that's a, yeah. that's a that's a big job for a big program. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I'm really excited about it. And uh, uh, I've been spending a lot of time uh, with Danny and making sure that uh, we're uh, we're getting everything uh, everything ready for next season. And uh, I'm just I'm just so excited. I'm I'm not even there's there's no. There's no counting of the hours right now, and I'm just going at it all out, and and that's that's what I love about football. You know, once you, when you love what you're doing, you you don't care. You you just you just do, and 
that's I got that love for football here in Montreal with the Carabae, and I got that fire, and that's why I'm convinced uh, that uh, everything's going to be all right, and that uh, we'll get this team back to where it should, where it stands. Um, was being in Montreal a factor as well? I mean, I know you have you have family there, and it's it's been home. I mean, was was being was well, being I Montreal- mean, you know, like I grew up in Montreal, uh, so if if you're asking if I don't know if uh, another team in uh, Calgary wanted me to coach uh, their special teams uh, <laughs> and uh, Montreal did, well, then I'd definitely pick Montreal for that. But I mean, it's just it, it's it's just normal for me to right. come back here. You know what I mean? It's just, that's what it was always mm-hmm. going to be. The number of years, I didn't know. The number of years, I didn't know. You know, it, I, I thought it was going to be longer, but this is this is what happened, and that's how I perceived uh, every uh, circumstance uh, that um, came around this decision. And it, it was two years for me, but I thought it was going to be longer, but that's how it unfolds, and and um, I couldn't be happier. I couldn't be happier to 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 move on and do this. Um, did the Ticats try and talk you out of it? Pardon? Did the Ticats try and talk you out of it? Talk you out of? I mean, I mean, I think I'm a hard guy to, to talk something. So I, it's just when I when I think you know when I say something, it's because I thought about it and because I've made my decision. So it's not it's not that they didn't try or that they didn't succeed. It's just that I had my mind made up and that was, you know, where I wanted to go. And I, and I spoke to them and I, uh, I keep some very good relationships with them. And, and I hope that uh, our paths uh, can cross again uh, in football, but uh, it's, it's how it had to be done for me. Um, okay. Are, are you back to like, are you, are you hundred percent healthy now? Like, or is it all? Is, yeah. 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 Okay. So, yeah. so if you if you'd wanted to play this season, you you could have physically, you could have done, you could have done that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm just, yeah. I'm just, I'm just. I mean, people will inevitably say this is due to injury, right? That's going to be their first assumption for people. people. What? They're going to assume that this is because of injury, right? That's what they're going to assume. So well, I mean, I I understand, and and to be honest, you, I don't really. It doesn't really bother me because. You, if you think about it for a second, you you understand that this is a natural progression mm-hmm. for a player, and for a player that's seen the pro side, this is a natural progression that happens. And the number of years we don't know, and whether it's because of injuries or or opportunities or uh, pursuing uh, higher uh, academic studies, which is the case for me, or uh, a great uh, job opportunity at your own uh, alma mater. Which is the case for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, know? but yes, I have been injured two years, so it's all, you know, it's all glued together. But it's it's just for me, everything is just flowing naturally, and that's just there was a clear cut sign, you know, everything just aligned, and that's what I had to do. Yeah, listen, like I said before, if this is your passion and and this is what you want to do, then that's what you. That's what you should be doing, yeah. right? I mean, that's that's not very many people get that that opportunity, right? To do the things they're passionate yeah. about. So if you have that opportunity, that's ter- that's terrific. So yeah, is is there anything else about this that you you'd like to say? Is there anything else that you'd like to talk about? Well, I'd just like to thank the Thai Cats organization for everything they've done for me and 
and for that uh, opportunity that they've given me. And I feel like I really learned and progressed in my football knowledge while I was over there, thanks to uh, those two coaches, Jeff Reinbold and Orlando Steinau, where I really, really hope to uh, maintain some very strong relationships with them and eventually maybe uh, go and talk to them about uh, their way of coaching and try to learn a bit more. But that's it's been a great experience for me, but this is just how it has to unfold. Okay. I really appreciate your time. Thanks very much. Well, thank you. Much appreciated, and uh, good luck. Good luck with your with your job. I know it's not always easy, so good luck with that. <laughs> I appreciate that, and uh, I'm sure we'll talk down the road. I'm, uh, I'm really happy right. for you. Take care. All right. All right, you too. So that does it for the first episode of the Scratching Pod. Thanks very much for listening. And thanks to my guests, Steve Milton of the Hamilton Spectator and Byron Archambault, new special teams coordinator and linebackers coach for the Montreal Carabins. Make sure you check out uh, the Scratching Post and all the content at 3downnation.com for all the up-to-the-minute Ticat and CFL news and analysis. We'll have lots of content going up there as free agency approaches next month. And make sure you reach out to me on Twitter at ScratchingPost and via email dedwards at thespec.com for any questions or comments about this podcast. We'll add uh, elements to it as the weeks and months go on. Okay, talk to you next week.